So there's many changes on farms nowadays, and one of those changes is becoming more environmentally aware and using the environment to better inform how animals are reared and how farms operate. And there's a farm in Great Waltham, just near Chelmsford, and it's just started up its own grass-fed brand of beef called Wild and Rooted, and it's home-reared cattle on the farm. So we can talk to the farmer and land manager, Sam Squire, who has been doing this. So Sam, just tell us a bit about what's different about your grass-fed beef to other cattle. What we're doing at Humphreys is a completely different grazing system where we're using the cattle as a tool to manage the grass and the land on our farm. And the, the byproduct almost is the beef that we're selling. Um, and that's a completely different story. As we're, as we're grazing the cattle across the farm in a high density and then moving the cattle on, we're leaving big rest periods behind where the cattle have been and giving the plants a time, a time to recover, which is letting them flower and then leaving that for nature, the birds, the bees and the insects afterwards, which is that's the key difference between us and a lot of other farmers. We are leaving that ground to recover and completely up to nature and not go back to it. And you've built up your herd of Aberdeen Angus cattle, haven't you, for sort of over like 10 years, haven't you? Yeah, so I, I bought about six, 10 years ago. Um, Dad thought I was crazy. I hadn't got a shed. We didn't have any grass. Um, I put them in the middle of the farmyard and just put a pen around them. And it just sort of grew from there for the first sort of 10 years. We took on a bit of grass and we, you know, we enjoyed it. We grew the business a bit, but didn't really have a huge amount of focus. Um, beef, beef farming is notoriously difficult financially, so it was always having to be subsidised each year. And then about four years ago, um, I came across a video for mob grazing, and it just gave us that focus to really sort of push push on with the cattle and made us um, actually do something with it. So mob grazing, what's that? So mob grazing, yeah, it's um, it's been around for a long time, and a lot of people have been using it for uh, for a long time, and um, they've been having really good results off the back of it. So it's not a new thing. Mob grazing is high density cattle, a lot of cattle in a small area, and we let them graze the grass, but move them very quickly. And if it's wet or raining, we'll move them three times a day to keep them on fresh grass or fresh soil, so they're not doing any damage. Um, so it's not being too badly damaged. So when we when the cattle will move on to the next bit, the plant can recover quickly because it hasn't been damaged too much. And you've got a mixture of different plants in that grass, haven't you? Tell us about the mixture. So yeah, so in a herbal lay you'd expect to find about sixteen different species of plants, all doing different things. So you'll have grasses legumes and herbs um, the legumes are fixing a huge amount of nitrogen to soil um, the grasses are providing a massive amount of forage and the herbs are providing a natural wormer and they've got a huge amount of micronutrients available for the cattle um, and the, the benefit of having a, a, a species rich sward is that it's all growing at different times so you've got a much longer growing season 
and flowering season. So things will flower early and then things will still be flowering. The chicories will still be flowering in November time for the bees and the pollinators. And you've got all those kind of root systems that are fixing nitrogen into the soil as well, haven't you? Yeah, so um, I'm starting to become a lot more focused on the soil and what's going on below the surface. And it's, it's really integral to what's happening above the surface. The more roots we can grow, the more nitrogen we can fix, the more diverse we can get everything below the soil, the healthier, the more robust we can get the plants above the ground. And you don't have to apply artificial fertilisers at all to the grass, do you? No, so, so the legumes will do all that for us now. The legumes will fix plenty of nitrogen for us. We don't need, won't need any chemicals going forward or fertilisers, which is it's a massive cost saving financially, um, but it's the, the carbon footprint as well, where we're fixing huge amounts of roots into the soil and building up our organic matter levels. Um, we're sequestering a huge amount of carbon into the soil. And that's, what's, that's the biggest positive this system has for um, the beef product that we're selling is that we're carbon neutral or negative with, this, with a pure amount of carbon that we're fixing into the soil. Okay, so so it's much better to buy your beef reared here in the UK locally because it has a, it, it's carbon neutral, so it doesn't have a carbon footprint as such other than perhaps what it takes to deliver to, to, to wherever it's got to go compared to imported beef. Yeah, exactly. I mean, buying local, whatever products you're buying, is the most sustainable, smallest carbon footprint you, you as a consumer you could ever do buy local that's the best thing you could ever do um but f for us beef gets tarnished with the global beef production brush so whenever on the television people talk about beef production and um methane and, and um, it's bad for the planet and global warming they are always only ever talking about global beef production like the americas and brazil where rainforest being cut down, huge feedlots, cattle in massive feedlots, getting fed concentrates, and they're getting um, slaughtered at like 14 months. It's just, it's just nothing like what's happening in the UK. And UK beef industry is predominantly grass-fed, which is a sustainable product. We're just taking it one step further with mob grazing and herbal lays. We think we can go carbon negative plus um, really improving the biodiversity and the ecosystem on the farm at the same time. Yeah, because all those sort of flowers and different plants you have in your herbal lay mix will encourage the kind of the, the insects and the pollinators, won't they? Yeah, but the, the farm, I mean, we've just done, I think, our second year. The farm's completely alive with insects and bugs, butterflies, um, we've got some enthusiastic photographers that come round and they're, they've captured bees and bumblebees that they've never seen before this summer, which is really exciting. And um, we're seeing a lot more um, swallows around the farm. And the, 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 cattle are the, the cattle are the key tool in creating 
environment for all the biodiversity. Without the cattle, it doesn't, it doesn't work because you need that sampling. You need them to poo on the ground. Um, the microbes in a cow's stomach are exactly the same microbes as the ones found in the soil. So when they are when they are pooing on the ground and we move them on, we're literally putting a set of jump leads onto the ground and giving it a jump start. There's a survey out this week that says that um, red meat sales in the UK have dropped by 17%. Um, you know, is it a concerning time to be a beef farmer? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I don't think I'm concerned. Um, we're growing a niche product. And we know our customers, and we know what they want, and they and we know that they what we're doing is a good thing. The beef industry, um, it has to re- obviously react. It's it's unfair. The British beef industry is getting tarred with the global beef industry's brush. We do have a sustainable beef industry in the UK. It is predominantly grass-fed. So grass. There's photosynthesis, produces grass. The cow, the herbivore, eats that grass, converts it into meat. When it's finished, its progeny will do exactly the same thing next year. It's just a, it's just a, a cycle that works really, really well and has been working for thousands of years. Was your father surprised at how the farm had changed with the kind of the different changes you'd implemented? Yeah, he, he couldn't believe how quick nature bounces back. Right. Um, it was getting pretty desperate on the farm with the lack of uh, insects, bugs, biodiversity, lack of birds, hedgehogs. Um, what do you mean when you say it was getting quite desperate on the farm? Are you saying that you as a farmer wanted more predators to, to eat pests and things on the farm? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we put too much thought into it. We were just farming and that's what we'd done for a long time um but it certainly had been coming for the last 10 years um we'd been having conversations about the lack of diversity on the farm um insects especially insects and birds um and we just can't believe how quickly these insects and butterflies and bumblebees have bounced back we just don't understand where they've come from um, and there's literally thousands of them everywhere. It's, uh, it's a joy. It's, it's a real joy to see them bouncing back so quickly. And we're just at the beginning. So um, we're really looking forward to seeing the um, seeing it develop over the next five years. We're, we're getting independent companies. They're going to come out and they're going to quantify it. So we've got some you know, actual evidence, not just mm-hmm. me saying that it's improving. We've got independent people doing their own counts on the farm so hopefully we'll be able to you know prove in five years exactly how it's all grown you've developed a brand as well wild and rooted farming so tell us a bit about the brand and you know how that sort of came into being yeah that's my wife's brainchild she's the definitely the brains um of the business um she's been working on it for the last year or so so i've been rearing we've been rearing this beef for quite a while, grass-fed, pasture-fed, um, organically reared beef, and it just goes to the market, and then it just gets lost in the system. That's always had a bit of a gripe with us because we know how good that product is. Um, 
it's, it's the timing was right to do it now. Um, my wife's got the bit between her teeth. So I think it was just after Christmas this year, we set about um, coming up with the name Wild and Rooted, um, which is we are all about putting roots into the soil on this farm, building up as much root systems we can possibly grow um, and wild in the fact that we wanted the farm to be wild. We wanted to be loads of flowering plants all year round and um, increase that biodiversity. So we came up with Wild and Rooted and then we just haven't looked back. Uh, Kate, my wife's done a fantastic website. She's in charge of all the social media posts. Um, we've got an online shop and it's collections on a Saturday. Um, and so far it's been really well received and we've had some fantastic feedback and um, it's, it's really made it worthwhile. All, all the hard work we've put in over the last few years um, we've, to see our customers every Saturday, it's um, puts a smile on our face. Is that a new experience for you as a, a farmer? So I've always been lucky that my family have been engaged in retail um, and I've just been on the, on, on the, the outskirts of that business. Um, so every Christmas we would see our customers when we sell turkeys um, and it was a buzz. It was, everyone was you know, sm smiley, happy, um, telling you about how good the product was and you know, wouldn't go anywhere else. So yeah, it's, it's a lovely feeling. Um, but we only got that once a year. We're now getting it every Saturday, and um, we're getting emails and letters, and just the feedback's been brilliant. And it, it gives you that motivation that you probably, uh, our old style of farming, just you'd never got that direct feedback from your customers that you're doing a really good job. And you mentioned the word turkeys there. We're coming up to Christmas. You've got yeah, turkeys as well. So we've got yeah we've got turkeys and uh, we've we've been growing turkeys for 30 years or so now. Um, they are brooded on the farm from day old. We um, look after them under gas heaters and then about four weeks of age, um, May June middle of June end of June they go outside. We open the doors up and we don't close those doors until um, first week of December. They get, um, they get the run of the farm. We've got some lovely woodlands up here and grass fields, and they come and go as they please. Um, and when it's wet and miserable, they, they're indoors, and when it's lovely and dry, they're outside and enjoying themselves. So you'd say no shortage in terms of turkeys at your farm this year? No, I don't envisage a shortage. Um, we're certainly seeing sales are up on last year, about 116%. Wow. this time from this time last year but it's just our customers are just being more organized this year and um might have one or two other um new customers um but on the whole i'd say it's ma the majority of our orders are existing customers just being a lot more organized and it's wonderful to hear the way you talk about rearing the animals on your farm because it's obviously obvious that animal welfare is really at the heart of the free-range farming that you're doing. Yeah, it is. With the cattle as well, it's, it's number one priority. You can't... You, yeah, if it's, uh, you just... You can't have unhealthy livestock. It's just not the game we're in. You have to look after them. You have to pay exceptional attention to detail 
to the animal husbandry side of your business, it don't, you don't just have healthy stock to look after, which is more enjoyable. You've got a, a, you've got a, a decent product at the end of it. And then when you're selling it direct to your customer, you have to have a decent product. Um, and it's, we're finding with the mob grazing, and we're going out moving them a couple of times a day, we get to see them much more regularly. We're getting a much better relationship individually with all the cattle. And we know if one's, you know, got a slight little um, little limp on its front leg, and then we'll be able to check it in three hours' time when we go back, and it's just got a little stone caught in its hoof, and it's now fine. So, um, yeah, the animal, animal husbandry, like 99% of farmers in the UK, is absolutely number one priority for us. What do you think about the rise of vegetarianism and veganism in the UK? Do you think that... Well, how do you respond to the suggestion that if you want to reduce your carbon footprint, actually you should perhaps not eat beef or meat? Yeah, I mean, that's a nonsense. It's, if, it's, if it's your carbon footprint you're bothered about, then you just need to buy local. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's meat or plant-based. If it's, if it's your carbon footprint, just buy local. If you don't want to eat meat because it's an animal, that's absolutely fine. Obviously, don't eat meat. Um, vegans that challenge us as farmers, um, I would say most of them are on a journey. I think they're realizing or recently realized that food is important. And I think once they do more research and, more, and they understand more about food and nutrition and the balanced diet, and how food gets to your table, gets to your plate, then I think they'll do a, you know, they will understand the, the, the cycle much, much better. Um, it's a really interesting point you make there. It's about quality, isn't it? And you don't get much better quality than animals that are reared locally in, you know, in a in a free range situation. No, exactly. And and at the beef. Um, as a prime example, we, we are through the, we're, we're off the charts on omega-3s and trace elements and iron. Really, really, really important trace elements for all of us to be eating. Um, it's part of a balanced diet, obviously. You, you know, you need your vegetables and you need lots of them and you need carbohydrates and you need all these other things. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a balanced diet of quality food, locally locally produced. Is there is the message I'm trying to get across to to everybody? Yeah, absolutely. So Saturday collections, and they can order through your website. Do you want to give out the website address? Yeah. So um, take a look at www.wildandrooted.co.uk, and um, you'll be able to see what we're up to and learn a little bit more about what we're doing. And um, yeah, it'd be interesting to get feedback off people. Really good to speak to you, Sam. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Thank you very much.